We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode number 89. We have a ton of stuff to talk about. Obviously, the most important topic is going to be the fact that NFL's back with the Hall of Fame game. Right, Scott? <laughs> you just completely threw me for a loop. I completely <laughs> forgot. Oh, the only thing I'll look for is to see if Brett Favre actually does take a couple snaps first. I feel like I would, he still I would thinks he's that. coming back. I, I would watch for that. Did you listen to his, uh, his speech? I did not. Oh, man. You're supposed to apparently talk for eight to ten minutes. That's what they tell these guys. And he talked for... Don't, don't say it. I didn't hear it. I want to guess. Uh, 38 minutes. 36 minutes. Oh, I was so close. And he didn't And he didn't write it out, apparently. Apparently he was just winging the whole thing, which I have a hard time believing. But he... In his southern draw. He kept going. It was awesome. I'm a big Brett Favre fan just because of the way he played. I really liked him. You would be. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? I think everybody should be. The guy played like a child, and it was amazing. And... I, I was he, I was crying like a little bitch this morning, like a little, little, 
bitch. At because of his one season game. on the Jets or because he you admired him when he was on the Packers? Yeah, no, I admired him before he came to the Jets. That's what got me so excited was because I was a fan even before he came over to the Jets. And ripped then, your heart out because they should have won the division that year? That was the year Tom Brady was injured. You know, he didn't. I don't think he ripped my heart out. He was injured. I mean, he was playing with a torn bicep for the last game or two. The guy's a gamer, man. I, I have so much respect for him and just the way that he played and how many games in a row he played. We're getting completely off topic. But Every one of our listeners really right now is like, there's so much crap to talk about, and these idiots <laughs> are talking about Brett Favre. It brings me back to December. I know. This is what happens in the offseason. I think I, I have an idea to counteract that, though, so no one will be able to complain. <clears throat> so to get... Before we get into everything, show 89, I saw somebody on Twitter mention that we stopped dedicating the shows to an odd stat or a player right. number or something like that. And you're right, we had we it's hard to dedicate things every week to well, plus we had some numbers. in between episodes and we didn't usually when we have a an episode like a bonus episode, we don't we don't do it that way. We do it kind of, you know, we get into the business immediately. Well, I want to I want to give you a lot of credit for those bonus episodes. Uh, nice job on both of those. The one with Gliber Torres and uh, Scott from the Pelicans and also the one that you did this week talking about the guys from the Andrew Miller and the uh, Texas trade with uh, Beltron. Uh, great job. I got a chance to listen to those. I'm, I'm upset I wasn't able to join you. I was you did them in the middle of the day when I was at work. I had to I had to make some cash. I couldn't just skip off of work at one in the afternoon, unfortunately. Well, you know, these guys do work for baseball teams and usually baseball is played at night. So they weren't able to, to fit in the schedule in the evenings. So we were able to accommodate during like lunch hours and things like that, which was fine. It was cool. I'm just glad we were able to get them on the on the horn, you know, so we could get some of the background information. It was a lot of fun to talk to those. Well, definitely, as we keep going, for those of you who are listening, I know Andrew and I are always looking for more people to get onto the show. So, you know, we're going to start putting out more of these bonus episodes and just as much content as we can. So we'll look for more of that stuff. Absolutely. And hopefully I'll be able to be a part, be a part of them a little bit more. Um, all right. So show 89, it was 89 years ago that the 1927 Yankees ran through the rest of the league. They were murderers, Roe, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, the list goes on. This team was the best team statistically ever in Yankees history, 110 and 44. That's a 714 win percentage, which is the best in team history. I was looking up before the show what the uh, the best teams are. And um, also on the list was like the 1931 Yankees, obviously the 1998 Yankees, and the 61 Yankees, the, the year that Mantle and Maris went went bonkers but statistically the 27 Yankees are the best team ever although I don't think a lot of people would consider them that because I know a lot of a lot of people realize that that era was not uh you know there was there were no minorities playing in the game so a lot of people discredit a lot of the stuff from that era I mean, I think there's, it's definitely a conversation. See, the way I always think, look at baseball, and honestly, you have to look at every sport this way, in my opinion. I feel like you have to go decade by, not even decade by decade, but era by era. Where, you know, whatever the decades or the years, you know, however you want to you put them into eras. But it's, it's almost decades, and it's an easy way to do it. And, and really, just kind of look at what happened that, that within that 10-year span or 15-year span. Because to me, the sports changed so much. I mean, baseball has changed so much. Just with, obviously, like you said, the you know the um, getting the discrimination going away and and everybody being able to play in professional ball and you know just having the the game change the equipment changes the amount of training changes there's just so many things that change 
So it's it's very difficult to compare a team from 1998 to 1927. It's to me, it's almost impossible. Do you think if you took a 25 year old Babe Ruth or a 25 year old Lou Gehrig and plopped them in the middle of 2016, they could play Major League Baseball? Yes, because I think the hand eye coordination and all of the the skills were there. It's just. It's very difficult to – I can't even answer this question in, in all honesty and how well did they do. I, I think they would do well. I think they were phenomenal talents. And that a lot of guys, you know, they just, they're born with this talent. And it's, a lot of this is just the hand-eye coordination. It doesn't matter who's throwing the ball. They can hit the ball. And so, not, you're, that, I mean, that would be like saying that there weren't good pitchers, you know, throwing hard or throwing good junk back in that day because I think there were. I think there were a lot of guys actually yeah, I doctoring think the baseball, throwing crazy stuff. I mean, the top so of the could, talent pool was a lot better. The talent pool back in 1927, I think there was the cream of the crop, the, the 1927 right. Yankees. And then there was a lot of people that probably would not be able to crack it as major league players now. Maybe they'd be they'd fizzle out in single A or double A of professional baseball. But if, if you get what I'm saying is that it wasn't as deep a league back then. Oh, no, there's no way. I mean, if you think about how much how much development goes on now from, you know, from little league all the way up through colleges and, and minor league ball. I mean, not all the infrastructure was there at that time. So there's obviously a lot more people playing. There's a lot more coaches out there. And yeah, so I, I totally agree with that. You know, I'm, maybe if you're talking about like the middle tier to, to lower tier major leaguers at that time, I don't think they'd be able to no. to cut it now. Not at all. But I think that the, the top guys, the guys that we know about, yeah, I think they would still be uh, they would still be good major leaguers. Might take them a little while. And Babe Ruth yeah. might not be able to train on 12 hot dogs a day. Well, you know, I think the one thing that, that hasn't changed too, too much is the pitching. I think pitching now and then, you could almost compare pretty closely. because It's more the, comparable than the offense. Yeah, because the equipment's the same, the distance is the same. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the, the variables are, are, are the same, and there's not very many things that are different. I mean, the ball is a little bit different. But the mound height is a little bit different. But the you know the majority of it, I'd say the pitching back then and pitching today could be very comparable. But you're right, the, but, the batting and the it's the training I think is the biggest thing really. But if you drop Andrew Miller or Dellen Batances in 1927 and they are pitching relief appearances, I mean those guys are not they'll they'll pitch clean innings every single time they go out there because hitters back then just did not face that. They were facing the same starting pitchers over and over again who would go nine innings whether they were giving up zero runs or 12 runs. That's well, that's just how the, it was. The first thing they'd ask you when you arrived in your time machine is what the hell is a relief pitcher? <laughs> that's <laughs> right. So the fact that these guys would be coming in relief and throwing one inning, they'd, for, they'd, call him a, they'd call him a sissy and then, you know, and he may not be invited back to the next game. So Anyway, uh, speaking of great Yankees teams, 1996 will be celebrated next weekend. August 13th, and BP will be there, as people know, because we've been saying it on pretty much every podcast. But I think we're going to get together before the game, so why don't you tell people what's going on? Yeah, we are definitely getting together. I have a, a deal with the guys at the dugout on, on River Ave, so they're going to give us some drink Rivera specials. Ave. <laughs> Rivera Ave. They're going to give us some drink specials. Uh, we got, I think, $10 pitchers, which are normally like 18 bucks or something. It's a really good deal, and then really cheap. PBRs, the the the, uh, the tall boys. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. 
So we're going to be, uh, we'll be at the dugout and it's going to be, it, this is breakfast beers for 20 years, baby. That's what this is. Cause this is a, a, a nine 30, 10 o'clock start time there. They technically open at 10, but they, the guy said he would open a little early if we were, if we were there and I'll probably be there a little early just to, uh, just to talk to some of these guys anyway. But so that, so definitely come out and that's for everybody who comes out and just says they're with Bronx pinstripes or, you know, just hanging out with us. Just, you say that to the bartender and they're going to, you get those, uh, those specials. So that's cool. Definitely come there. We'll be there at 10 o'clock and then. You know, we'll all be in the bleachers for the game. We have two rows of bleachers. Uh, there's 25 of us, I think, going to this game. So it'll be a lot of fun. This is our our, our, our annual yearly, uh, our annual and yearly, our writer outing that we do every year. So it's it's a fun it's a fun time for all of us too that that write for the site and contribute to the site that we all get together uh, and watch a game. So that's cool and. Definitely come out. So if you, ha- by the way, if you are going to that game, reach out to Andrew, reach out to me, reach out to the, the podcast on Twitter, whatever. I know we, I've gotten a couple emails from some people who listen to the show, but definitely reach out to us and, uh, you know, just let us know you're coming. I'm going to put together an event page um, and I'll, I'll tweet it out and send it out just so, so all the information is kind of documented. And I think you, you'll be able to respond to that and whatever. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a fun weekend. And. Yeah, you know, hopefully a lot of uh, a lot of the listeners and people who read the website can come out so we can, you know, meet you guys in person, talk some Yankee baseball. It'll be fun. Look for us in the Bronx pinstripes tees. I'm sure a lot of us will be wearing yeah. that. I know Scott and I will definitely be wearing the Bronx pinstripes tee. Yeah. Oh, I'll actually be wearing a different one because. Oh. Yes, I, I should wear the Bronx pinstripes one, right? But I have to wear this other one. I have to. I'm the only one that has it in the world because I was <laughs> too slow to get it out on the website. So I have. There's two new shirts that are coming out. That I just want to briefly touch on the one that uh, both of these both of these that I've been working on for a while and just taken forever to do honestly because I've wanted to make them really good. The first one is the it's kind of like a, a redo of the Mariano Duncan. We play today, we win today. That's it. And so I put that together and I was able to uh, to do some really cool hand drawn stuff on there. That's going to come out this week. I tweeted it out. I think last week is a preview. So check that out. It's a really cool shirt. I was I was happy the way it came out. And then the second one is about the short porch. You, you know, you know, Andrew, you've I've, I've probably thrown out like 15 iterations of this design out to every time our, you our send group. a new one. I go, hey, wait, what's different about it? Because <laughs> <laughs> I've seen about 45 of them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So I've been trying to mess with it, making it right. And this time I was able to to kind of like get in the background. It's, I added some detail because I wanted to, to squarely put it around 1996 to make it kind of a unique shirt. So it's a it's literally a, a drawing of right field of Yankee Stadium and if you look closely you'll see the whiz sign which is blurred out for for uh to protect my ass we don't have and, those rights <laughs> and the the you'll see uh, five or six individuals reaching over for a ball one in particular catching a ball and then a gentleman named Tony Tarasco with another blurred out uniform but looks still good I believe the name uh, escaping you right now is Jeffrey Mayer no I just didn't say his name yeah yeah Jeffrey Mayer I knew his name oh. but yeah so he's the one reaching out and you'll there's the details are in right field uh, so it's a pretty cool shirt, and it definitely it brings you back to that 1996 series when Jeter hit that shot and Jeffrey Mayer got a key to the city because the kid had a bigger <clears throat> glove than Tarasco. What did you say? Uh, breakfast beers for 20 years? Breakfast beers for 20 years. I like it's perfect. That. All right. That's a, good, that's a good hashtag. I think we'll have to put that on the, on the event page. Oh, definitely. It's going to be on there. I, already, I just sent one out on the, pro, on the podcast Twitter, and it, I, I, I hashtagged it, so it's, that, it's out there. <laughs> it has been hashtagged. All right, the big news, a lot of big news this week. As if the Yankees could not be any more eventful recently, they're finally sellers. They, they made amazing trades to skyrocket their farm system from maybe 15 or 20 in baseball to top five. 
if that wasn't enough, A-Rod goes and retires and Teixeira goes and retires. First, we're going to talk about A-Rod because obviously that's the bigger news. Right now, Mark Teixeira must be pissed because he totally got upstaged by A-Rod. It's a little bit different scenario, but in in case you've been living under a rock, the Yankees held a press conference on uh, on Sunday morning at 11 a.m., they announced it the night before, so obviously that sent Twitter into a frenzy. Everybody, they announced the press conference. Exactly. The press conference the night before that they'd be hosting it at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Everyone was just speculating. Nobody knew what it was going to be. Even baseball writers, baseball insiders did not know what it was going to be. Obviously, you knew it was either going to be A-Rod's retiring immediately, he's retiring after the season, the Yankees are cutting him. One of those things or a combo of those, um, as it turns out, he is retiring effective August 12th, which is this coming Friday, the day before the 1996 celebration. I think it's kind of interesting. I'll use the word interesting that uh, A-Rod's last game is the 12th, and then the next day Jeter comes into town. Just leave <laughs> it at that. Um, but he is retiring effective the 12th, and then next year will serve as a special instructor and young player advisor. Did I get that right? Is that his Something. official title? Yeah, ish. Yeah, it's a little vague, um, but he does get his full salary of $21 million. And I know you and I had a back and forth about this over text message. If he, if it counts against the salary cap or not, you know, the salary cap in quotes, because there's no actual cap, it's a soft cap, but it sounds like it will, which I guess makes sense for an even playing field. Well, it's the same contract. It's not being abridged at all. So it's the same contract. But, but and that's the way why it was worded was that A-Rod's retiring. Well, no, that's the thing. I don't think it actually. I was gonna. I was gonna say that when you were when you were finished because I don't think the word retirement was actually said. I don't. Maybe it was thrown out there, but I don't think it's it's a legit retirement. It's not. So Brian he, never Cashman, said, he never said he's retiring because he never said he's retiring, and Brian Cashman never said he's retiring. I don't remember if Cashman said it or not, but but there. When the reporters were asking questions, the question was, can A-Rod now sign, you know, effective on the 12th, can he sign with another team? And the answer is yes. If he changes his mind and, and does not want to stay out of baseball and come back next year as so, a, then what? yes, he can. So it, it's actually just a release. But then he's no longer under contract with the Yankees. Yes, he is. It's a release. Got if it. they're releasing him, it's a guaranteed contract. It's a the release contract, with a... It's a release. It's an unconditional release. Well, unconditional with an asterisk because there are conditions, but it's not in the contract. So Yeah, and his duty next year is going to be show up at spring training and mentor the young players. Which wh- is complete horseshit means. because I've been thinking more about this and just, just really kind of diving into what actually just happened. Because if you think about it... Everybody comes back as a special yeah. advisor. Andy I mean, you Pettit's there all the time. Years. Paul O'Neill, David Cohn, everybody. So, you know, I thought that when I first heard this, I thought this was going to be something that he was going to be doing almost effective immediately. Like, like in the dugout. It, like your play, yeah. Maybe not in the dugout, but your playing days are done on the 12th. You're not going to be suiting up in a uniform anymore. And you're because you can't really keep him in the dugout. I don't think at that point, right? It's it's still you're there. You can't <clears throat> yeah, probably like, not. At least not this year. If, yeah, I don't know how much A-Rod really wants to be get into the instructing of baseball. I, he's a baseball freak. I remember, I don't know if you ever read Joe Torre's book, The Yankees Years. Did you ever read it? No, I re- I've read excerpts. I've never uh, read the a whole A big book. portion of it was talking about 2004, the year A-Rod came over, and the dynamic, the difference Torre noticed between A-Rod and Jeter, where 
he A-Rod would, would watch baseball. He would watch every game he could when he was not playing baseball. He had the MLB package. He'd watch a Padres versus Marlins game or a, a Giants versus Dodgers game just because he loved baseball so much. Whereas Derek Jeter left the ball field and it was like baseball didn't exist. So A-Rod loves baseball. It, it'll be interesting to see how much he actually wants to get into the coaching or instructing aspect. You know, um, Barry Bonds, who's made a ton of money, is now the hitting coach for the Marlins. He's on the planes traveling with the team. Does A-Rod want to do something like that? Does he want to get that in-depth with it? Or does he want to be more of a a show-up three, four, five times a year type of thing? Yeah, see, I think it's going to be the, the latter because he actually made a point to say that, hey, I'm not a coach. I'm not a coach. I mean, someone asked him about that. They kind of—I think one of the reporters said something about, "Oh, so that you're going to be a special advisor slash coach or something along those lines." And he made a made a point to say that, "No, I'm not a coach. I am not a coach." To take—he didn't want to take it away from, I guess, yet, the guys who do least. the batting coach coach yet. Right, but I—I I don't know. It—it just—it seems like this is kind of a ploy. In all honesty, it seems like this is just a big PR thing because this is what's going to happen. This is what was going to happen. I mean, it was going to be a release, and and this is kind yes. of the this is the the way to let him go out. On a, on a better terms in the media, I think, because he's still getting released and he's going home. He's going home. I mean, he's not retiring. He, they, it was very clear that this, it was very clear that this was the, this was the discussions because apparently he and A-Rod and Hal Steinbrenner had closed door meetings and nobody was privy to what the conversations were about. Nobody knew really like the, the context of the, of the actual conversations and the outcome of the conversations until, you know, the last minute. And, from what Cashman was saying, just me kind of listening to what he had to say and then dissecting it, from what I understood, Hal and A-Rod almost have a handshake agreement, just kind of a, a gentleman's agreement that he's not going to sign with another team. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Because Cashman says, I think he said that the way that Hal was bringing it and the way that everything had come out of the conversation, he's comfortable with the, with what's going to happen with what Alex is going to do. And that was that was the way he said it. So it to me it's almost like a gentleman's agreement. I'm not going to sign with another team. We are paying you all this money, so you're going to come back and contribute in a certain way and help these young guys come out. You know he's going to be in Florida, so he'll be in Tampa a lot. Look at look at the two guys that are in Tampa right now. Glaber Torres, Jorge Mateo, both shortstops. He could work specifically with those two guys and I think that is something that we we could see more often. The Hal Steinbrenner dynamic, the management dynamic, is, I think, one of the most interesting parts of this whole thing. It was clear after the All-Star break they were not playing him. It was, it was abundantly clear. He wasn't right. even playing against left-handed pitchers. He didn't play against Bartolo Colon, and he's hit Bartolo Colon better than anybody else in his career. Yeah. So it was abundantly clear they were doing everything they could to not play him. It was like... Uh, I made the comparison on Twitter, I think, to Office Space in Milton, where they just kept shoving him in the basement until eventually he quit. Mm-hmm. And it's had to have been what happened is eventually A-Rod got sick of it. I believe he used the word embarrassed today, right? Did yeah, he, he did. He that did. was embarrassing. And, yeah. and for a guy like A-Rod, who's had an unbelievable career, and he's had a lot of embarrassing moments throughout his career, but it, it was embarrassing to just see him sitting there on the bench, basically the Yankees were playing with a 24-man roster. Um, so he must have gone to management and said, what the hell's going on here? What are we doing? And I guess they were transparent with him that, hey, we're not going to play you. We would like to cut you. It's going to be a shitstorm if we cut you. So let's try and come up with some sort of thing that doesn't make us, that makes us each look okay. I right. don't think either side looks great in this, but it at least makes... I don't think the Yankees look bad. Um... Uh, no, I, I don't know. Why, why do you think the Yankees look bad? 
to not let him at least finish the year kind of seems weird. Uh, I don't, all, like why August twelfth? What I don't get that. Well, that's his. I, I guarantee that's his date. He wanted. He was even saying that he was saying it was more of a logistic thing. So, so one more home game. Why didn't he just make it Sunday? Because he wanted his family to get there. It was. I don't know. There was. A, he he even said it was a logistics thing on why Friday was the day because people were traveling in to come see the game and things like that. So. I don't, I don't know. I, I think the Yankees are fine with this because I think it's completely it's, – it's one, they're paying him, so they don't look bad in that sense. And it's very clear the direction of this team right now. I mean, it's so very clear. And the fact that he would be on the roster not playing, or even if he were – if he was playing, then there would be more criticism of him because he's being selfish and not letting a guy come up and play. If he's coming up there and, and going 0 for 4 or 1 for 5 like every day or every other day. I suppose he'd get some of that. I don't think he'd get a ton of that because I don't think he'd be playing you, every day. Yeah, but if that goes on for a couple of weeks after after these trades and, and it's very clear that, that this is the direction the team is going with all these kids, he would get crushed on it. Everybody would be getting crushed on it. It would be the biggest topic. I don't think he would be getting crushed. I think, I think he would be. I think Girardi would be getting crushed for playing him. Girardi's not doing this on his own. You know Girardi was – even when Girardi pinch hit him in that – what was that game? Uh, it was against it was, the Mets. So against the Mets, it was the blowout game. Or it was the 7-1 game. Yeah, it was – he pinch hit on Tuesday. And uh, the, it was the ninth inning. It was a it was a yeah, six run game. It was a late, late in the game. Yeah. It was it was that was embarrassing because it, it was obviously not a it was it had zero impact. The at bat had nothing, and he's still going out there for no reason. It was right. I was very shocked that he was going out there. So that was almost like maybe that was the tipping point because that was bad. Well, he he came up he came out of the dugout earlier in the game when he, if he had gotten up he would have been the tying run. I believe it was like the seventh inning. Where he came out on deck and he never got up, but if he had gotten up, he would have been the tying run. Okay, but, well, but it, yes, regardless, it, it was an embarrassing moment. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know if he would be getting killed. I, I get, it, I don't know. The, to, pushing it out a week just seemed weird to me. Is all that was a rods? He, he he said that in the press conference. He said that was a logistic thing. So <clears throat> yeah. I, that's not on anybody else. I, I don't think either side looks bad. I, I don't think either, either side looks looks great though. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I think this was really all for A-Rod because the Yankees would have been fine either way. I think if they cut him, they're, they're fine. They don't owe him shit. Of course they don't. And, and it, and a, but also A-Rod does not I, – I, as I wrote also on Friday that I think A-Rod would have done wonders for his legacy if he retired and walked away from the $21 million because he does not need $21 million. But right. at the same time, that's $21 million. It's, it's, and he was suspended for an entire year and he lost that salary. So I understand that. I'm not blaming him for for getting every dollar he signed for. That's that's Brian Cashman and and the Steinbrenner's fault for signing them to a ridiculous contract that was going to pay him while he was 42 years old. Yeah, like you can't blame players for getting guaranteed contracts. No, I, see that's why I just think it was more. It wasn't. I don't think anybody was going to blame him for the money. I think it's more him saving face. That's what it is. Yeah, and because if they cut him outright, then. That's embarrassing. If they do something like this, at least there's like, oh, well, you know, I really want to be involved with the young players. I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to work with the young players because that was said too. I mean, he, he was he kept saying how taken aback he was that that opportunity was actually there. I mean, if you think about what this relationship was two years ago and you see what's happening now where they're inviting him to, to come and work with their young talent after there's an amicable split, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a pretty, pretty unbelievable turn. But you know, he was very, it seemed like taken aback by the offer of that too. And that is why I don't believe he's going to sign with another team. And I think that was the gentleman's agreement behind the scenes. He's definitely repaired his image in baseball and also his image with Yankee fans over the last year. It was 
in it was dog shit at the beginning of at the end of 2014 after his suspension it was terrible there wasn't much further he could have gone down no and if he had a bad year last year say this happened say he was having the year he's having now in 2015 they would have just probably cut him even though they would have been walking away from an extra year of money but yeah you're right the yankees did work with him a little bit to make it seem like he's going out on his terms even though it's not on his terms. It was completely, they were driving him out. Oh, yeah, and he knows that. He, I mean, he knows that. He was even talking about when he, during his press conference when he was saying that, you know, every pro athlete wants to go out the way that they want to go out, but usually it's not the way it is. So by going out gracefully, and that was one of the things that he said, that's, that's one of the, you know, one of the good things an athlete can do is go out gracefully. And that just kind of leads me to, again, that this is a retirement. I mean, it's, maybe it wasn't said because of legalities and contract terms or whatever, but this is a retirement. Because if he's retiring, he ain't getting that contract. That's right. why it's the you know his he never uttered the words retirement I don't believe so there's a there's a distinguishment in the in the wording because of the legalities and the contract you know the contract language it'll be interesting what Hall of Fame ballot he's on because <laughs> it's not it, gonna it, matter <clears throat> no I know but because then that'll be from when he act is it when he actually retired which I guess will be after 2017 or it'll be from the year he stopped playing he wants it as far away as possible. He, right, because he wants the baseball <laughs> writers to forget. Right, he wants yeah, he wants people to die off. Four yes, home runs wants... short of seven hundred. I, I really thought he was going to get to seven hundred. And you know what the crazy thing is? As bad of a season as he was having, there there's at least three or four players on the team having a worse season than him, and they they're playing more often. Well, uh, such as Mark Teixeira, okay, Aaron Hicks, and. I guess the Chase Headley for most of the season. No, for the early on, he's been fine since then. The Aaron Hicks is is we know why he's playing because they're trying to see what he is. Teixeira, we they know what any, he is. Okay, they're. I'm just telling you what they're trying to see. We know, we know that he looks. He's a he's a uh, he's a linebacker or a, a, like a big wide receiver playing baseball, and it looks like that. <laughs> and the other thing, oh Teixeira, because all of our first basemen are dead. <laughs> they're all gone. They're all injured, so he has to play. There's it, just, it, yeah, it, I, all I, I'm I saying it. is that he wasn't having as bad a season as I think a lot of people were thinking. He had an injury. He wasn't good by any means. Are it, you talking about A-Rod? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a terrible. It was terrible. He looked lost out there. I think he looked overmatched. I think he just looked really old. This is the first year he finally looked he, old. He's a 41-year-old who they're playing once a week. Of course he's going to look old. When he was playing before he got injured, he was not completely lost. He wasn't good, but he was not completely lost. Uh, see, I disagree. If you Watching him play every day and just watching him the, the, his at-bats, I, look, I know he's been a guest hitter his whole, his whole career. Like That's his thing. But, I mean, he was truly, truly like sitting fastball. And if they gave him a fastball, that was it. That was the only thing he was really doing. He had a couple off-speed pitches, but I mean, he looked uh, lost. He did not look. He did not look good. I'm not, this saying, whole year. I'm not saying. Starting they... from the second half of last year is when it all started, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. The now he was still pretty good up until September. Is he still dating that girl? The the Woj 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 a Woj. I don't know. I want to. I want to know when that broke up. I, he might still be. I don't know. I know, but what I, if it, I mean, regardless, I, I don't think he was, What's up? What if it broke up in the you know middle of last year? So then maybe no. We talked about it. <laughs> I don't remember when we talked before this about. season. Okay. Anyway, I I think that this is probably the best case scenario for a Rod this year. Uh, so it did not continue to be an embarrassment. But 
we've we're gonna see pretty soon the last day in pinstripes for a rod how are you gonna remember what's the first thought that comes to your head when someone says alex rodriguez yankees steroids and and i think that is probably the majority of baseball fans um for me it's still 2004 that stink is still not off of him and it's not off the yankees altogether i mean it wasn't just him he didn't cause the team to collapse but he was he kind of turned into the face of that collapse didn't he yeah well he there was just so many opportunities for him to do something it didn't happen but and it wasn't even but the entire team stopped hitting for those last four games of two. But he was Alex Rodriguez. Right, right. He was the guy. He had time. a pretty good postseason up until game five of the 2004 ALCS. But you know what happened is the team went down th- four games in a row. He was seen slapping the ball out of Bronson Arroyo's glove, which made him look terrible. He had those purple lips. Do you remember that? It looked like he was wearing lip gloss because it was cold out. But he had those purple lips. He just looked like stupid basically and then 2005 2006 2007 he absolutely sucked in the playoffs every year so it kind of compounded on itself but there's there's the steroids there's the 2004 stuff there's the brawl with veritech there's the the suspension being shirtless in central park peeing on his cousin's (laughs) floor he signed two of the richest contracts ever in in the history of baseball and then the good, the 2009 championship, which even Brian Cashman said the Yankees would not have without him, which is 100% accurate, and the eroticence, which was to the 2015 season. So I, I, I think I think with the steroid thing for me, the the reason why it's so ingrained in my brain is because it happened twice, and it, and it's so, it's the lying that he came out and he did a whole spectacle. You know, he did the whole. I'm going to I'm going to go and talk to whoever it was, Barbara Walters or whoever the hell it was, no, it was that he uh, talked it to. Was Peter Gammons. Peter Gammons? Uh, I don't remember. And and he does this whole thing and makes it just a just a complete show about the whole deal and how sorry he is and all these things. And then he comes back and gets popped again. That that's where that's where he completely lost me. Like, you know, I can forgive a guy for one thing. I, can, I he doesn't need my forgiveness, but whatever. It's my own personal opinion about somebody. I can I can get past something at one point. But when you come back at me again, you know, fool me once, Shame on you! Fool me, fool me twice. Shame on me because well, you make no. me feel stupid now for going back. Yeah, it did. It it is two separate steroid occasions, but it's the same steroid infraction. You know what I mean? In two thousand, I believe it was two thousand eight or two thousand before the two thousand eight season or before the two thousand nine season when he had that sit down. It was about that two thousand three list that David Ortiz was also on, and A Rod admitted right. to being on it. And give credit to A-Rod for not dragging other people, innocent people, through the mud like Ryan Braun did. So I'm not saying A-Rod's a good guy like for anything he did, but he didn't drag people down with him, which you do have to give him some credit for. But then, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't have to give credit for, for that. That's, well, no, because me, he could have pulled, pulled a Clemens or a Braun and, and, and started suing people. That's fine. Like, that. I, I, have a, I have a very... I have a very low standard for of, of character for those other guys, you know, well, because of that. But, but it's not like finish. I give credit to somebody for for not doing that. It's like it's like murder. It's like Johnny Damon. Like you know, at least he didn't commit murder. I, I, I actually give him credit for not murdering somebody. It's yeah. you know what I mean. It's like that. Like no, I, I don't. Wait, I don't. Me, I don't give him credit for that. Let me finish what I was saying though. But then again, before the 2014 season or sometime 2013, 2014, MLB went after him hard. They were going to make him the face of steroids. He didn't fail a test. 
they they got all evidence on him outside of actually fa- failing a test. So yes, he was still doing steroids, but it wasn't it wasn't like he failed a test after he lied and and said he's no longer doing it. It doesn't matter. He admitted that he was doing it again. So it doesn't matter if he failed the test or not. The, the fact of the matter is that it was still occurring and that he was trying to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. That's, that's the whole point. A lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. I don't care how it's discovered. You know, and, and when, you, when you lie twice after you say you're not going to do it again, that's when you lose me. I, I, you know, you're, to me, it's, you're, you're, you know, I write you off. And, and, you know, and I'm I think, dealing with him at this time because, for, for honestly, for the majority of this, for the past however many years, because of the laundry. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan. I, I will always support the New York Yankees. I would have rather not have Alex Rodriguez on this team the entire time. That's me. I, I'm yeah. not an Alex Rodriguez fan. I, I would agree with that. I, I'm, I'm more of an Alex Rodriguez fan than you are, but I think I would not be if it weren't for his great season last year. And right. yes, if given the choice to flash back to 2004, I think Brian Cashman doesn't make that trade. And I think most Yankee fans would say we don't want that trade, despite the fact that he hit something like 400 home runs with the Yankees, won them a championship in 2009, and was you know, one of the best players of the last 30 years in baseball. I mean, I get it. There's, you know, who knows what, what history how history unfolds if, if certain things aren't done. I mean, you, you don't know the other moves that are corresponding moves that would have been made if he wasn't signed. So there's just so many things that could have happened as well. So, I mean, I understand that, and, and that's cool. I'm glad he gave us a championship. At least that's the least he could have done for all the <laughs> annoyingness he gave us. I don't it's, know. The dude, it's just, he's a very polarizing figure, obviously. Very. People either love him or hate him, and I don't think there's much in between. Maybe last year gave that little bit of gray well, area I for think- some people. I think last year earned him trips, invitations back to Old Timers Day and crap like that. Yeah, well, I don't I think, think they're going to give him a plaque or anything, but I, I or his number retired. But uh, he's at least going to be welcome back to the Yankees family post retirement, which I did not think was possible in 2014. Yeah, and I think oh, last year people actually started to have sympathy for him uh, because of because of the way he conducted himself and because of the way that he was you know quiet and going about his business and you know doing all the right things for the first time in his life and finally you know being i don't know you know humble he, he says he I remember him saying that he was humbled and he said that about a thousand it, times. It took you long enough. I, I guess that it, you finally got humbled. And I, you know, and there have been there have been all these reports and people talking about how he had kind of an inner circle and how he never really listened to himself, but always had other people making decisions for him. And that could have been, you know, one of the big problems. You know, maybe he just was around the wrong people. And it is what it is. I mean, you kind of are who you who you hang out with, and those are the decisions that you make. So finally, he was old enough, and he was more uh, you know mature enough to actually make some decisions by himself and realize that hey, I just need to to look in the mirror, come clean, literally, and and just start telling the truth finally. And you know, the truth will set you free because that is the this is a this is a very forgiving nation. And you know, when you start coming down and and start talking real and and actually look like a real person, then you start getting sympathy. And I think that's what happened last year. So now he's got this whole level of gray area of fans who are, you know, like, I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not in love with him, but I don't hate him anymore. And then the people who loved him then still love him because they love him even more now because he's a real person. So he's, 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 he's a very interesting person, that's for sure. I will read the book when it comes out. <laughs> well, I think a lot of fans, he, he, he gained a lot of fans like me. And, and this is how my position is on A-Rod. If someone's bashing A-Rod, I'll defend him. But I also reserve the right to bash the hell out of him when I want to. <laughs> All right, I want to move on to Teixeira, who got totally upstaged by A-Rod this weekend. 
he announced his retirement on Thursday. Was it Thursday? Um, and uh, or before one of them? Before was it before Friday's game? Regardless, he will no, be. Re- to remember. Yeah, he'll be retiring after this season. He is only 36 years old. He's playing. He looks a lot older. He's got more injuries. I mean, he's been banged up for the last four or five years. But um, before the season started, don't you remember? He said he wanted to play at least three more years or something like that. But it looks like he will be retiring at the end of the year. His contract's up. Yankees were not going to re-sign him. He probably didn't want to move. He probably didn't want to go sign with the Oakland Athletics or some team and be their DH for for a year for five million bucks. And I don't blame him for that. He doesn't need any more money. But um, were you shocked about this? Yeah, I, I don't say I wouldn't say shocked, but I was surprised. I, I definitely was surprised because I, I really thought that the reason he wasn't getting surgery was because he was going to try to come back and put whatever numbers he possibly could up so he could fight for one more contract. I thought there was one more contract in him, and I thought that's what he wanted. And you know, I don't know if it's just because when he tried to di- when he did try to come back, he realized that you know surgery was going to put him back a, a long time. Yeah, he probably and, figured I'm mean, 36 years old. I'm not gonna. I don't want to rehab basically from a broken leg, which is right. what is going. What the surgery and the recovery is going to be. Well, and also he realized what he was after after trying to rehab it without surgery. So it was basically I'm either going to get surgery and then rehab to get back for one more contract to be at full strength or quasi full strength, Mark Teixeira full strength, whatever that is. And, and that, that was just too much. Cause that's what, one of the things he kept talking about was the preparation, you know, for the season and, and getting ready to not, not just the games, but, but actually getting ready for the games and, and doing spring training and all the workouts and things like that. that. That was the big thing that he didn't want to do anymore. And, you know, when you get old, when you get that old and you're a big dude like that, you know, I can only imagine the way that knees and legs and ankles take longer to heal. So, I guess when you look at it and, and you see that he's 36, which now I think we've been so I don't know if the word spoiled or just we're numb to age at this point because of the steroid era, because there were so many guys playing way past what they should have been playing. And, you know, there wasn't just a, a select few. There were a lot of guys playing really old. I think this is pretty normal. I think that, you know, that this is where they where you really start to decline and it's usually a pretty steep decline. Yeah. 14 at this age. Year, he had a 14 year career, 400 home runs. Yeah. That's why guys did. That's why you didn't see all these 500, 600 home run hitters back in the day. It's because you eventually break down. You reach 400 home runs, and you're in your mid to late 30s, and your body can't do it anymore. So the other it, thing it makes is, total sense. The other inter- interesting thing about uh, Mark Teixeira, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I need to look these up to actually see what they are. But I, I, I can only imagine how drastic a, a change it is. You know, before they started. Shifting every at bat for him. Yep. I, I'm I've very, looked at this. I know exactly yeah, have where you? you're going. Because yeah. I guarantee now he realizes that he cannot be the same player that he used to be. Because now he has to hit the ball out of the park. And they're taking away that single to right field that he used to hit all the time. It's it's gone. There's a guy there now. And they play him perfectly. He can't hit the other way. He just won't hit the other way. Uh, you know, over the shift, not in, not away from the shift is the is so, the coin phrase. I'm doing it right now. What year would you say is when shifts really entered baseball? When did Joe Madden start co- start managing Tampa Bay? So I'm going to say it was probably 2010. Joe Madden was there before and doing shifts, but I, I think shifts really started to go crazy in 2010. Yeah, okay. Mark, What do you think Mark Teixeira's batting average is from 2003 to two, through 2009? 2003 to 2009? Uh, 285. 290. Okay. And he was basically after that? Um, 240. I'm doing, I'm doing it right now. It's it's baseball. It might be even lower. Is uh. Going a little wonky here. After that, 
this is this is great podcast. It's not even working. Anyway, but yes, the it, the shifts definitely did take a lot out of it. But you can't blame it all on the shifts. No, no, no. I'm just saying there's contributing factors. That there's a lot of two thirty nine. Yeah, bam! I was pretty damn close on both of those. So, the the fact of the matter is is that he can't get that single anymore. That that single is gone. But I mean, it's, it's not. I mean, I don't think that's no. It's pretty that, much gone. That one, it is that that's that single every week is not the difference between two forty and two ninety. It, it maybe is the difference between two forty and two sixty. I don't think it's forty points, fifty points. My, my point is, is his at bats are so much more difficult now for him. Yeah, because and also he, he, has to, he would have to change the way he hits if if he were to do it. Because as you're getting older, and if he doesn't have that knee, he's not going to have the sustained power. It's just not going to be there. But so you you have to get more base hits if that's the case, and he just can't do it. Here's the but: he was an MVP candidate last year before he got injured. Mm-hmm. So he, I'm surprised he's not saying to himself, "Damn, if I just didn't get injured last year." I would have been in probably the top 10 for MVP voting last year. I can still do that. That was last year. That wasn't 2008. That right. was 2015. No, it's a good point. It is a good point. Maybe that injury just took too much out of him. The rehab was just too much to come back from. And now with this with this other knee thing that he doesn't want to to do it again. He just doesn't have it in him. He's not he knows, he knows he the back. Yankees don't have a place for him. They've got Greg Bird. They've got Tyler Austin, who's been playing out of his mind in AAA. They've got McCann who might shift over a little bit first base. They got refs. They've got a lot of guys who they plan on playing instead of Mark Teixeira next year, and he knows that. Oh no, yeah, the, the Yankees were not an option. He knew that. But do you know what this means? This the biggest thing that's going to impact me is that I can't call him the X factor next year. That's true. You do have to get new. That he's been a two year X factor for you, and it's been a pretty good call on my part. I think so. Yeah, because the when the t- when he was hitting, it was. You know, the middle of that lineup, I mean, you, you could say A-Rod was the exact same thing, but yeah, no, it's true. He's a cog. That offense doesn't work without Teixeira. <clears throat> so last 30 years, Yankees starting first baseman, the guys who have been there for more than a season or, or a short time, Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly, Tino Martinez, Jason Giambi, and Mark Teixeira. Four starting first baseman in pretty much the last 30 plus years for the Yankees. We're, I don't see Shelly Duncan. <laughs> he was left field, wasn't he? <laughs> he played um, first for a little bit, I think. Yeah, I mean they got they had Doug Minkavich and a couple randos in there, Kevin Euclid. Um John Olerud. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Oh, when Olerud got helmet. injured in two thousand four, that really also screwed. People forget John Olerud was having a great postseason in two thousand four and he got injured. John Olerud was a stud player. Anyway. Rank those guys. I know Mattingly's your number one. So rank the next three who you like the best. Who I liked the best? Yeah, like who who you enjoyed watching, who you liked, who who just if you had to say I like them or they annoyed me or or whatever, rank those those four players: Mattingly, Tino, Giambi, Tex. Uh, just like that, Mattingly, Tino, Giambi, Tex. Okay, isn't that crazy? That Jason Giambi, a dude who was the face of steroids for a few years. Who had a really ugly porn stash, sweatiest mother I've ever seen in my life. And he's ahead of Teixeira as far as if you that you liked him more. Were you trying to set me up on that one, the steroid thing? I think you were. I was not trying to set you up. I totally <laughs> agree. I didn't really uh, yeah. watch Don Mattingly, so I, I I just really only know him from two thousand um, from uh, nineteen ninety five. But obviously, Tino's my my number one. I like Giambi way better than Mark Teixeira, and Mark Teixeira was a, a much better player than Jason Giambi. I, I agree with that. I, I think it was the way that Giambi played for some reason just was was to me captivating. It was you know he was he right he was a big sweaty guy with a mustache and and he was just he was interesting. Teixeira to me is 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 kind of boring. 
he don't also, know. He, he does also his job. He gets he just, injured a lot. He's, he does get he's injured a lot. He kind of. I don't and really like. His face is kind of annoying. He makes a lot of annoying faces. He's got an annoying. Uh, that's that's. Bitch I'm not going to lie. That is a consideration. I'm not joking. That is a consideration. His so, face is annoying to me. When Mark Teixeira came over in 2009, do you remember when he runs? He puffs out his cheeks. Yes. I had like an hour-long conversation with my buddy who's also a Yankees fan in college on how much we hated Mark Teixeira for that very reason. He yeah. said he has constipation face. I mean, I'm not going to lie. That's one of the reasons I don't like A-Rod is because I hate the way he runs on his toes. I think it's <laughs> and he, so and he kicks his knees. He kicks his legs up. Uh, he, run, he runs like he glides. Like he's like, <laughs> I, I can't stand the way he runs. It <laughs> but, drives me nuts. But um, – but Giambi, but Giambi was clutch. Giambi had a lot of walk off home runs for the Yankees, but but he was he broke down as well. Um, oh yeah, he was a big steroid guy too. Big and- steroid guy. Mark Teixeira though could not stay on the field. He would he would need days off because he was tired and he just needed a rest. I mean that was the type of player he was. Again, like we said with Arod, the 2009 championship doesn't happen with Mark Teixeira, and he had great years 2010 and 2011. I think he hit 35 plus home runs in each of those years. Um, but yeah, I, I, for, for whatever reason, I just, um, I didn't really like Mark Desher. I didn't hate him, never hated him. Like I hate Chase Headley or anything like that, but he's kind of just blah to me. He's kind of just nothing. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think he, cause he's not really a flashy player. I mean, he does, he goes out there and he's got, he does one or two things. Well, no, he's a great, he's a great offensively. He, now he was he, a great all around player in his prime and in and his prime, he was phenomenal for the first few years with the Yankees gold glove first baseman. And he made a difference on that infield defense. Cause remember how many bad throws Derek Jeter would have towards the end of his career. Mark Teixeira would save defensively. If you're looking, I mean, defensively, if you're looking at these guys, it's Mattingly and Teixeira on the top, hands down. And Gino was Gian- good too. Tino was good. Giambi's a, a far, Giambi was a traffic cone at first base. Yeah, his mustache was better at fielding than his glove was. But T- uh, Mattingly was—I mean, Mattingly was an all-class first baseman. I- I'd put Teixeira up there too. Teixeira is a phenomenal first baseman. Yes, he has saved a million runs for this team, and I, I probably like watching him defensively more than I do offensively. If <laughs> thinking about it more, no, no, that's the truth. Well, do you remember I, last I, year? Not, I don't know. I don't like. I don't. I, I never. I always expected more from him for some reason offensively, and I know he had some good, really good years. But really, really good years. I know. I don't know. I just. I, I feel like I always was expecting more out of him for some reason. Well, the shifts. The 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 whole thing. Shifts with the would shift, drive me crazy. And how much? But, it, how but much I'm not. I'm not saying. I, I, a lot of people use this. What I was going to say is people use the shift as an example why Teixeira is now a low batting average guy. But his strikeouts went up a bunch. His swing left handed got really ugly as, at times. A, a huge uppercut swing. But I that's, think that's also exactly shifted to him. That's no, the whole point. No, but I, I think it was also a big part of it was the fact that it's 314 feet down the right field line at Yankee Stadium and you just pop the ball up to right field in the new Yankee Stadium and it's four rows deep. Uh, see, I don't I don't believe that. I believe the fact that when the shift started happening to him all the time, he had to change his swing to a, to an extent to to go over the shift. I mean, other guys haven't changed their swing. David Ortiz hasn't changed his swing. He's batting 330 this year. David Ortiz is is Obviously, a better hitter than Teixeira because Teixeira could not adjust to it. It's 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 obvious and it's in the facts. It's in the statistics. The the fact that the, the shift completely messed with his offensive game. It Joe Madden. It, there could be an argument that Joe Madden ruined Teixeira offense. <laughs> so then, so then Mark Teixeira is a bitch for letting that get into his head. Yes, I I I do believe he had a, a, an element of of softness to him. Of bitchery to go along with the soft bones. He did have glass bones. Him and him and Ellsbury, two of the biggest glass bones guys that I can remember in the last ten years of baseball. Um, okay, 
Let's move on. We've, we've pretty much talked about Tashera and A-Rod for the first hour, uh, first 50 minutes of this podcast. Um, I want to mention a report by John Heyman, and it was confirmed by the Washington Nationals that the Yankees declined to trade Andrew Miller for Lucas Giolito straight up. Giolito is the Nationals' number one overall prospect. He's a pitching prospect, and he's considered top three or top four prospect in all of baseball. And they they turned that down straight up. And do you remember I mentioned to you that I think Cashman is going more for the position players in prospects. And you said, no, I just think that's how it worked out. This might lend to some evidence that that Cashman was focused more on position players versus pitchers. All right, so I'm going to disagree with you because we did talk, talk about this last week as well because I heard this report when we were when I was coming back from my camping trip, and the fact of the matter is it was a one-for-one one deal, and that's, to me, why it got, it got shot down. If there were... If there were other players, and it was to the standard of Cashman, with the with the uh, supporting with the supporting players in the trade, I think it would have gotten done because Giolito, I think, was the guy that they were going after. I think that Brian Cashman, if he really wanted Lucas Giolito and he just didn't want to do a one for one, I think he could have gotten one other player from the Nationals. They're yeah, so desperate. I don't know if that would have been enough, though. I don't know desperate if that would have been enough because I don't know what God. I still firmly believe. I still firmly believe that he was going for overall value on the the chips that they had and how many. Yeah, I, that, how many that also did play a factor into it. But I, I I don't want you to discard the fact that I think he was focused on getting more. The blue chip prospects he wanted were more on the position side of the ball. I feel than the pitching side of the ball. Well, I guess I guess I think they're also a little bit more of a sure thing is the position players than the pitchers. Yeah, I, I yeah, well, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Maybe a little bit easier to identify, a little bit easier to project where they'll be. Well, I mean, you, the other thing about the scary thing to me about giving up so much for a a pitcher, a number one prospect guy like that is one. Well, first of all, Giolito has has yeah, I think he's had two or three starts in the majors and he's been kind of up and down. He wasn't he didn't. He didn't do great. I mean, he he did not show well. I mean, I I know it's only his the very beginning of his career, and and that happens all the time. But you know, it's it is a bit of a gamble for a guy that's going to come. Out. I mean, look at what the Red Sox with their number one uh, Henry Owens kid. I mean, that kid was killing Triple A, right? And he comes up and he gets lit up. I mean, he looked like trash, like complete trash. It's Kagawa two dot yeah, Akeagawa was another guy that. No, Akeagawa is not. I don't know guy. what the hell they saw. I don't know what they saw in Akeagawa. First of all, I don't know. I'm I don't saying, know. No, I'm just because Akeagawa was lights out in AAA. And <laughs> yeah. But the the thing is, is that yeah, it's 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 less of a risk in the sense that you know if you're pitching prospect one one an elbow injury and they're done. I mean that could, that could ruin the career. Whereas a position player can you know recover from any injury usually. I don't know. It's, it is. It is definitely. I think more of a gamble for a pitcher, especially with the what, what you would have given up for a number one guy like that. So, I, I, I look. I understand what you're saying. The blue chip. The blue chips uh, definitely were position players. Obviously, that's that's who they were were able to get. But I also think that speaks to the the other teams and how much value they put on their own pitching prospects, and that it wasn't going to be good value. So I think there's a combination of both. Yes, it, it, it's definitely a combo of everything. Um, I, I, I've said, I, I, I'm happy Cashman though, got position players and he did get some pitching as well. Um, you got a lot of pitching, all the, a yeah. lot of the secondary guys were pitchers. Right. And, and that's fine, but I'm happy that the main guys were, were position players and Clint Frazier, who he got in that Miller trade, uh, has already hit a home run and he's already becoming a fan favorite. I think with a lot of people, not only cause he's got fire red hair, he's got wicked forearms, but also he seems to be, um, 
really lusting after some Instagram booty models. <laughs> I had no idea who this person was, by the way. So you're so out of touch. You're such an old man. You really didn't <laughs> know who to, Jen Selter was. No, I had to look it up. Oh my god. No, I had to look. I'm not one of her nine million followers on Instagram. <laughs> the, the um, fact, that's I'm not either. But I knew social was. media. The only reason I use social media is for Bronx pin stripes. Like that's that's why I'm on social media at this you point. Still, that's you, yeah. You, you're on MySpace. Yeah, there, I may have a MySpace. That's how I met my wife. Don't so don't don't knock it. Oh, is it really? Yeah, we've talked about this at the golf course when we were in when oh, we were right. uh, in Tampa. Yes. So the <laughs> the fact the fact of the matter is, is that like what I do on on in, on I think Facebook I have a personal Facebook and that I don't even really touch it. But the majority when I'm on any kind of social media, it's Bronx Pittsburgh stuff. I mean, there's so much stuff. You to and do. I met on social media, huh? You and I met on social media. Yeah. I've I've met everybody in Bronx pinstripes on social media. Right. So, I mean, the power of social media. But it's through Bronx pinstripes is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I agree. It's powerful. <clears> I just don't actually, don't use it very much because I don't have the time to do it my own my own accounts. Well, if there's other... I, my point is I don't follow Instagram models. That's my damn point. So I believe that we do have some listeners who probably also don't know who Jen Selter is. She got, is famous because she has got a slamming body on Instagram. Her face is definitely questionable. But Clint Fraser wants to take her on a date. He believe he started the uh, what was the hashtag uh, Salter Fraser date? Yeah, something along those lines. And um, he had no problems just blatantly asking her out over Twitter, which I love. It's hilarious. Um, my question is, how long until the Yankees shut his social media down? <laughs> well, I think it's it's going to be along the same lines as how long is he going to keep that hair? I'm very surprised he's able to keep his hair as long as it is. Well, to tell well, you the truth, well. I think it's only a major league rule. Right? Is it? I don't know. I, yeah, so, I don't. Wait, I didn't hold think on, it was. I'm confused because he tweeted out a picture of him getting a haircut, but it must have just been. I, I know it was only. I have a feeling because Giambi's hair was pretty long at one point, right? Not as long Giambi's, as Frazier's. Frazier's still goes out of the helmet. Giambi's yeah. wasn't really that much out of the helmet in his days. Right. I mean, Giambi had long hair before he got look to the at, Yankees. Look at Ben Gamble. Ben Gamble still has, and he played on the Yankees, and he had flow With out of the helmet. Long hair. I wouldn't call yeah, that long it was, hair. It was, it was barely out of it. Yeah, it wasn't much. It was, it, it was, wasn't much. Um, I would say it's maybe like an inch shorter than what uh, Fraser has right now. Maybe even more than that. I, the only reason I know that is because I've looked at it very, very closely because I'm in the middle of a t-shirt design we've right studied, now. We've studied. I have studied the hair. hairstyles. <laughs> but he's a fun yeah, so follow on Twitter. Um, he is a fun follow. And he, he talks to a lot of people. I mean, he's been, he's been interacting with us a couple times. I, I did offer our services to help him with a campaign to, to date this chick. Because so, I, I think we can help. I think we do have some, some pretty decent social media presence, and I think we could help him. Did you watch the footage of his home run on Saturday? I, I haven't seen it. It was great. I mean, it was exactly how his swing is described. All bat speed, all wrists and forearms, and the ball jumped off of his bat. But what I loved is he kind of pimped it just a little bit. It was his first home run with Grant. He pimped it just a tad. And then after he crossed home plate, him and Aaron Judge did the Bash Brothers thing where they smashed forearms. Ooh. And it was hilarious because he had to kind jump. of like jump up to him. Yeah. It's, I cannot wait to watch these two guys. It's going to be awesome. It's, it's, you had. Do you see how everything is just falling into place? It's amazing what's happened in the past two weeks, the transformation of the team that we love and have been, and have been rooting for our entire lives. It's unbelievable, really. I mean, it's an unbelievable transformation. Yeah, and it's shaping up for August 13th for us to have Aaron Judge in the major leagues 
And, um, you know, Tyler Austin should be up. I believe he he's expected to be the next guy called up now that A-Rod is um, soon to be it's off gonna the be, roster. It's going to be close with Judge. I'm not sure if he'll be up by then, but it will be close. I think he'll be up that week or the week after. But uh, I'm just so excited that these two guys, you know, in Scranton, they're batting back-to-back in the in the lineup. Um, it, they have the potential to be our 2-3 or 3-4 or 4-5 or hitters for, for years to come. you got to add Greg Bird in there, too. It's just it's it's so much to look forward to. These last two weeks have been two of the more exciting weeks of base of Yankees baseball, despite the fact that they're still a 500 team on the field. Isn't that what we've talked about, though? We've talked about the fact that when the when the youth comes, the resurgence of excitement. Oh, is I'm going not even talking right about what's actually it. happening on the field. I'm just talking. No, about, I'm talking about just excitement. Yeah, excitement around the franchise. There, there's every Yankees fan I've talked to, everybody on Twitter has a positive outlook to this team, despite yeah. the fact that they're gonna finish somewhere around 500 or game over or game under. Because nobody gives a shit about this year nobody anymore. That's, that's, that's the obvious thing. Yeah, and. And you're forgetting when you're talking about the, the the beginning of the lineup or the middle of the order of those two guys and the outfield. Don't forget about this kid who's just killing, killing the, the lead that he's in right now, the, the draftee that we just had, uh, Rutherford, Blake, Blake, Blake Rutherford. He's crushing the ball. Yep. The kid is on uh, one he of the hottest starts you could possibly have. He's top 100 prospects for MLB. And if you go to MLB Pipeline, their prospects, he's popped up on that list too. And he he just just drafted. He he's gonna he's gonna continue to rise. The kid looks like a natural hitter. He's a big kid. I think he's 6'3", 190, 200. I mean, that's that's a center fielder. That I'm 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 getting excited just thinking about it. But the fact that seeing Rutherford, Frazier, and and Judge in the outfield is gonna be a that's gonna be the outfield. And add on Jacoby Ellsbury to that. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're gonna eat that contract too at some point. Can we just eat? Let's continue. I like the trend of eating contracts. Eat this the, is a good contract. Back this half is a good of trend. Jacoby Ellsbury's contract. Um, all right, couple of more news things before we get into the the mailbags. We got some good mailbags this week. So Jacob Lindgren, unfortunately, is going to have Tommy John surgery, and he's been an enigma all season. He's been a mystery yeah. guy. We did, you know, uh, May of last year, he came up, looked terrible. Sent, got sent back down, was was injured, and we just didn't hear anything about him. That was the weirdest thing. We just didn't hear anything about him. And it kind of sucks that it took them this long to realize he probably needs Tommy John surgery. And I feel like they could have figured that out a month or two months ago. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was. I was actually, because he follows us on Twitter, and I was talking to him a little bit in DMs, just trying to find out what the deal was. And he was basically he kept saying that he's coming back. Like I'm 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 almost back. I'm almost back. I'm almost back. Something must have come up and and then, you know, all of a sudden he's he's going under the knife. And, you know, maybe that had maybe that had to do with the way that the Yankees are looking as well and that, you know, they they want him in uh, you know a year two years ready to go maybe that's a thing well or he has cutting their losses for this year and you know almost all of next year yeah it's a year it's a year recovery so the earliest he'll be two able years to, at this point well the yeah exactly the earliest he'll be able to pitch and he's not going to pitch for the yankees next year because he's going to have to rehab and he wasn't even good enough to be in the major leagues no that's year. what i mean so the, the potential of a major league appearance would be two years yeah 2018 mm-hmm um, yeah, it sucks. But the good and, news and 2018 is, is when all our dreams come true, isn't it? <laughs> the good news is a he's still young, and b is a lot of times Tommy John surgery makes guys better, gets a little yeah. extra mile or two pop on that fastball. Right. Um, all right. Uh, McCann also cleared waivers, 
and now the Yankees can trade him this month before the waiver trade deadline. Obviously, no one claimed him on waivers because they would have had to take his contract if they did. Um, So I guess the Yankees are still trying to move Brian McCann. I think this is all a play to get as many expensive guys off this team as possible so they can squeak under that luxury ta- uh, tax threshold, which right now is at $189 million, is probably going to go up after the new CBA is agreed upon. It's not going to go up a bunch. It might go up a million or two million bucks. But if you look at baseball reference, they have a salary page. And if you look at um, projected salaries for next year, like what the Yankees are committed to, I wrote about this on Friday. It's $192 million. But that includes guys who are arbitration eligible. Obviously, a guy like um, Didi, who's arbitration eligible, you're going to pay because you want Didi. But Aaron Hicks is arbitration eligible. Dustin Ackley is arbitration eligible. Is anyone going to be upset if the Yankees just cut bait with those guys and don't give them a raise? And we have Ben Gamble or Mason Williams on the team as our fourth and fifth outfielder instead? I mean, that, that Mason saves- Williams is still a thing. Can we can we stop talking about Mason Williams at this point? We just got a bunch of outfielders. Name, but no, but all I'm saying is that if all you're looking for is a guy to play defensive, um, play some defense in late innings, which is basically what Aaron Hicks is, you can put anybody in that role, and you don't yeah. have to pay him three million bucks. You can pay him five hundred k league minimum. Unless there's a miraculous recovery from Aaron Hicks this year and the end of this year, because he's getting a bunch of playing time, and hopefully that's short-lived because he's taking Aaron Judge's spot right now. Uh, you know, if the, I don't see how they can bring him back. I, you know, I, I have no idea. Ackley's gone, gone. There's no way. I mean, right. we already have a much better version of Ackley, much better version. So, so, so what I'm saying is that I think the Yankees' goal here with all this stuff is to get under that tax threshold because you only have to get over it one year and then it resets. Right now they're paying 50% on every dollar they're over. And if they go under it for one year, it resets. Then they can go back over and it's it's a prorated thing where they don't have to pay 50%, I think, until they're three consecutive years over again. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It definitely makes a lot of sense. And it will help the them go after more guys once that once that happens. So, yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense. What do you, what that, do you that's think? That's why I thought there was going to be some kind of a restructure, like a retirement by A-Rod, but a restructure to, like, give him a giant contract to be a coach. That's more along the lines I thought it was going to be. Because yeah, if, you mean, were, if, you were, if you were to retire, then the contract is dead at that point, right? Right, but, but I, I just don't think that the Players Association would... would let that happen? Uh, yeah. it's a, yeah. I mean, set, it's set, the strongest it sets, union. It sets a terrible union. precedent. Oh, totally does. And yeah. the players' union is um, one of the strongest unions in in America. Is the MLB players' union? Yeah, no, that that's true. <clears throat> um, but do you think? What do you think the chances are that Mac actually gets moved? I mean, I think I think they're looking. I mean, clearly this was this was a, a ploy. They knew that nobody was going to take that contract. So the fact that they did it was you know led, leads me to believe that they they possibly have some some dialogue with other teams about him with you know with potential about taking on some of the contract because obviously they're going to have much? to eat they're I don't know how much well, how what, much would you be okay with them eating <laughs> I would yeah, all of all of it no, really because I I don't I'm give not, a shit it's not my money I, I don't think care. Brian I think Brian McKen can actually provide them some value next year no i do too but you're asking me how much i care about if they i don't care what the, the yankees spend i really don't i, I, really I, I don't either less. but i but the it's fun to treat it like it's your own money to try and everyone always says oh who cares it's not your money i understand it's not my money and i want them to do everything they can financially 
to to win. But at the same time, it's still fun to treat it like it's your own money, and that's how you're building a baseball team. Or else there's then, or else the discussion is always who cares what you pay them. When well, no, I don't think the discussions always are. I see what you're saying. I, I get that. It can be an annoying response. But the the sense of of what we're doing right now and the way that this team is going, I I, I don't care about the them eating contract at this point because it's very clear what is going on and it's very very abundantly clear who's taking up roster spots from from other players and who's taking up playing time from other players. Yes. So at this point, by by eating contracts, you're you're almost you know. You're clearing up spaces for young guys. I get that. But at, you're, what you're dollar amount, but at what dollar amount that they have to eat, is it no longer valuable for them just to have McCann off the roster? He's making $17 million for the next two years, and he has a player option. If they eat seven of the of $7 million, so the other team's paying 10 is that worth it? Or $10 what, million? What's the what's, player option? I think if – it's not a player option. It's a vesting option, option where if he plays, I think, more than 90 or 100 games at catcher – then the option automatically vests for another seventeen million. Okay, so that's a that's a big that's a big part of it, right? Because so, he's not going to be the everyday catcher, so that's not going to vest. He's going to okay, be. Okay, so GH let me ask baseman. you this: if that if that contract is intact, don't you think that Brian McCann is going to have something to say about that? Saying, "Hey, you he should knew that when he signed the contract as a catcher. But maybe into you should his look 30s. to trade me at this point, so I do have at least an an opportunity to get that vesting option. But, but whoever picks him up isn't going to let that vest either. Apparently the Atlanta Braves don't care about money and they just want some of their old guys for they like a do reunion. want it. They do care about money because they're asking the Yankees to pick up some of that money. Are they? Yes. Like, there was like, all the reports about the con- the trades, how, potential uh, trades with McCann back to Atlanta was that the Yankees would have to eat at least half. Was this before or after they took on a sixty million dollar uh, Matt Kemp contract? Around the same time, it was at the trade deadline. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. You know, well, how then much why they wouldn't they have just claimed him? So if it was half, they, that's, they had that's the terrific. opportunity just terrific. to claim him. The Braves are the worst team in baseball. He came to them first. They could have just claimed him, and the Yankees would have said, "Here you go." Well, he's on the five o'clock out of JFK down well, that's, to yeah, right. Atlanta. I understand they're not going to take the entire contract, but the fact that if you're saying half of the contract, and to me, that's a great deal. That's a great deal. That's a lot Wait. of. I think that's a lot of money for a guy that you could actually use. If it's a couple million bucks a year, then fine, get him off the team. But if you're still paying him eight and a half or nine million dollars, and he could actually be a, a decent DH first base catcher for you, and he, by all accounts, he's a pretty good clubhouse guy. I think he can provide the 2017 team some value. I, I I've been I'm I'm 100 on record for saying the fact that I would not mind him back because of that because he gives flexibility on first base DH and catcher, but. The other thing about it, because I've actually been thinking about this more now that this has been in the in the air of him actually gone, I've been looking at him gone and seeing what this team is, because it seems to me that the the club has a a very good perception and a, and a, they actually respect a lot Austin Romine, and I think Austin Romine is the guy that they want as their backup catcher next year because he is more of that that guy who calls games. He calls a better game than McCann, I think. I think pitchers like throwing to him better. He's better defensively. He's shown that he's got. He he can he can hit the ball a hell of a lot better than he has when when he's made the adjustments he's he's been a much better um, hitting catcher and for a backup he's a phenomenal hitting catcher so having Gary Sanchez as your primary catcher is what they want I think that's very clear is what they want we're seeing it now he's he's going to be catching quite a bit so the fact the fact of the matter is I guess it depends on how much they value Austin Roman and how much they like Austin Roman as the player that he is today and if that can continue and be and you know be extended into you know a couple more years so but they're not giving Austin Roman the starting job oh no hell no it's Gary Sanchez's job right 
And That's we what do I'm have... saying. They're looking for a backup catcher. Yeah. Um, we have a mailbag about Gary Sanchez, so we want to talk about him, so we'll get into that quickly. But um, I do, before we get into mailbags, uh, I want to mention that Ichiro today, this is Sunday, got his 3,000th hit. It was a triple. Um, Ichiro, it's crazy if you look at his stats for the first 10 years of his career. Well into the 200 hits every year, 210, 215, 220. And then obviously he had that crazy 260-something hits in 2004. Uh, congratulations to Ichiro. I think you and I are both Ichiro fans. Yeah, yeah. It's a, he's a he's a class act to me. He goes out and does his job every day. He's not not a guy that talks a bunch and just goes out there and does his job. I mean, he's he's a hell of a hell of a ball player, and he's he's showing that he can still play the game. He's really uh, really impressive. What percent do you think he gets on his Hall of Fame ballot? Oh man, I don't know. I don't even know where the percentages are. I'm not. I'm not good at that stuff. Well, it's, I mean, it's Ken, Ken Griffey it's got the high. highest ever, ninety nine point something. Where I and think Ichiro would be close. I think Ichiro is going to be close. Oh, no, I, I think he's probably going to be more in the Mike Piazza eighty something percent. Because oh, there's so many. You know how sanctimonious baseball writers are, where he didn't play his whole career in Major League Baseball. So blah blah blah. But how many years were here? A lot. Uh, whatever. He came over in 2001, so 15 years. And he got so, 3,000 hits. It's crazy, I know. That's why That's why he's he's actually gone past that, is my point. My point is that, yes, he had a whole career in Japan, but then he had a full career in Major League Baseball as well and put up ridiculous gaudy numbers. So that's why I think it's going to be a very high percent. I think, I think it's going to be higher. lower than 90%. I'd say I'll, I'll go over. Somewhere between 88 I'll go, and 90. Okay, I'll go over 90%. He's going to be higher than Piazza. I mean, Derek Jeter is, not, is probably going to be like 94%, 93%. He's not going to get more than that. Baseball writers say, are douchey. I'm going to say 90. Okay. I'll say, I'll say overnight. I'll take the over. So, so five years after he retires, we'll check up on that. There you go. And you'll buy me a beer. <laughs> are you ready to get into some mailbags? Yes. I mentioned we got something on Gary Sanchez, so let's read that one first. It's from Lee Jones from Liverpool, England. He says, like yourselves, I was all for the fire sale, and I'm absolutely delighted with what Cashman managed to achieve in the week before the trade deadline. However, I'd also gotten excited about the prospect of Gary Sanchez getting some major league at-bats had McCann moved on. What do you think the chances are that he still gets called up and gets some time at DH as well as behind the plate? with perhaps Brian having half days off with a view to exploring trade McCann in the winter if Gary Sanchez shows he is ready. And, I mean, obviously we're kind of seeing the writing on the wall with how they're treating Sanchez. They DH'd him for the first couple days, but he's gotten some playing time behind the dish. And been impressive. His arm is better than I thought it was going to be. He's got a cannon. He's never been considered a great defensive catcher. Maybe um, it's more of his... uh, game calling and i guess blocking pitches in the dirt i don't know but That's his arm is the his, fundamental stuff yeah i think the fundamental i was actually stuff pleasantly surprised with his arm his arm yeah. looked much better than i thought it was going to be i thought it was going to be like jorge posada where it was like if he throws the runner out it's good news if he or if he just doesn't airmail it into center field it seems like he has all the physical tools to be a very good catcher i think what what we're what we've seen and what the you know, all the reports of him not being the greatest catcher defensively is, I think, more of that type of thing, more of like the blocking the balls in the dirt. And and a lot of the stuff that you see a backup catcher doing, like all the really, all the right things and, and the fundamental things, I, th- I think he needs to clean up on that stuff. And that can a- absolutely come, you know, with time and maturity and things like that. And yeah, repetition, I think... obviously. The fact of the matter is that he has a cannon and he can throw guys out at a high percentage. That to me is, is, is outstanding. If he can clean the other stuff up, I think he's going to be a very good catcher. 
The intangibles that a catcher needs where managing the pitching staff and being a leader for the pitching staff is definitely a big aspect of catching and something that does not show up on the stat sheet. I mean, Chad Green was was pitching pretty well in AAA for Gary Sanchez, so maybe he does call a good game. Uh, (laughs) You know the only thing I'm worried about with Gary Sanchez, though, is the fact that he uses the hockey-style catcher's mask. You're not a fan? Not for a starting catcher. That's a backup catcher move. Mm. You got to go old school with the uh, with the wire mask. Yeah, you got to go yeah. the two piece. I'm just not, I'm not a big fan of the of the uh, the hockey mask in the first place. It's it's just very big. It just looks we. I, so Jose Molina did it, and he was a backup catcher. John Flaherty did it, backup catcher. Name me a starting catcher that that had the hockey style mask. I don't think you can. Does Molina's brother use it? Nope. No. I checked. Okay. Yeah, I'd have to. I'd oh wait! Have to, oh wait! Hold on. You're talking about um, Yadier or Benji? Yadier. I was like, you know, the one that's one of the best catchers in the major I, leagues. I, that guy. I've heard of him. Oh, he uses the hockey style. Damn. So it. does Bust- I'm pretty sure Buster Posey uses it too. And now that I'm thinking about it. Wow, this look, look here, here goes you're my whole segment. You're, yep, you're right. He does use it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I still don't like it. I still don't. Do you like it? I don't like it. It's stupid. I know. I, think I know I'm, this is a stupid topic, but I, I don't it, like the well, hockey when style. You, when, you it, when you put it in the notes, and I was looking at it, I didn't really blink an eye because I think I was numb, numb to it, and I don't. I just I don't know. I, I think I stopped noticing it. Is what I think happened. Well, this is what to- I'm relegated to on Twitter now. Is talking about Gary Sanchez's hockey mask because I really don't give a crap whether the Yankees win or lose. Well. Apparently your opinion is is uh, off base. You need to do some more research. Yeah, if Gary Sanchez turns into some sort of Yadier Merlina Buster Posey hybrid, I will be pretty happy and I will look past the catcher's mask. There you go. Next time let's give this to Justin to have him do some research first on the hockey. <laughs> yeah, intern Justin, where are you? <laughs> you need to tell him these things. But to Lee's question, it looks like Gary Sanchez it looks like they're going three catchers for the rest of the season. Yeah. Well, unless McCann gets gets moved, but yeah. yes, it's Gary Sanchez is going to get a lot of playing time. It's very clear what the Yankees are doing, and they're they're playing their their young guys right it's now. Awesome. That's it's that is the awesome. that is the first and foremost the most important thing to to happen for the rest of the season is to get these guys some chops in the major leagues because it's going to make them much better, much faster, and that's a positive thing. So, Gerard, and this is a Girardi role. This is a beautiful Girardi role because I think you and I talked about this last year, maybe in the offseason at some point, and we were debating the fact of, you know, if we like Girardi or, or not as an in-game manager. And last year he drove us mad, right? He drove us insane. September the was year. the most brutal thing to watch, him making those pitching changes yeah. in the bullpen. It was absolutely mm-hmm. brutal. Nick Rumbelo coming into to Toronto in the ninth inning, I think. Uh, and, to face freaking Josh Donaldson, Jose Bautista, and Edwin Encarnacion. Yeah, Yeah. doesn't take a rocket scientist to know how that's going to end. So anyway, we were we were talking about him. I think one of the one of the things that we both said was, yes, he drives us mad with some things, but would we want to make a change at this time? And I think we both agreed no because of if you look back at his history and the way I think that Girardi really shines, it's working with with young players. And you saw what he did with that Florida team. Those guys were it was a young roster. He he really grooms players well. I think he he actually you know I think he can relate to young players well, and they. I think they relate to him. I think they they look up to him and they they receive what the way he the way he talks to them well. And I think he's he's very good for younger players. And I think that this was 
you know, one of my arguments was is that last year would have been the year to change Girardi because if he stays on, he's going to be the guy moving into the future because that future is coming very, very soon. Mm-hmm. And I think we're seeing that now where the Yankees are very comfortable with Girardi in a development role with these young guys to get them prepared to be uh, playing well. Yeah, there's enough transition going on in this in this team where I don't think they also need to change the coaching staff and the, the manager. Um, so I'm fine with Girardi being the guy to take to see where he can take this young team in 17 18 i agree with that too i agree with that too all right so thank you lee for the email uh what do we got next so jared from long island he said i know it's too it's way too early to ask this question but what do you think the future holds for starlin castro do you think he is going to stay in pinstripes do you think he will ever live up to his potential i know the yankees are stockpiling talent but they have a lot of middle infield prospects it's a very good question, and I think I think before the season I had a, a, a much different opinion on the way Castro was going to be handled this with this organization for years to come, and I, I think it's very much in the air. I think it's up to Starling Castro to tell you the truth and how he plays offensively because I think he's going to have to move positions. Well, his contract isn't up until two, 2019, potentially 2020. Right. So he's here for a couple more years at least. I don't think they're going to cut bait with him in this offseason. Oh, no, 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 no. He's going to be up. But that's that's exactly the time. Nineteen twenty is when we have these guys that are looking. If he has a terrible 17 and a terrible 18, they might try and cut bait with him before that somehow. But he is still only 26 years old. So it's not like he's a an old player by any means. But I've been a little disappointed with Castro on the whole this season. He got off to that great start. But the plate discipline, man, is just so frustrating to watch him swing at at the same slider in the dirt that he's been swinging at for the last three months. I would just like him in the offseason. The biggest thing they need to work on with him is plate discipline. I know he's not going to be an 80-walk guy. He's not going to be a 370 on-base percentage guy. But he just needs to be more selective at the plate, and he'll be a better hitter all around if he's just a little bit more selective. I agree with that. And... The other thing about Starling Castro is, well, first of all, he's he's definitely come back in the second half. He's having a much better second half. I think he after the All Star break. Yes, he started hot. We all know that. We all fell in love with him immediately, and then he definitely he definitely fell into a lull. I wouldn't say it was it wasn't like a Brett Gardner <laughs> coldness. <laughs> it was bad. Or, or I mean, the Osbury coldness. He it wasn't hit that like bad. Three fifty in April, and then his batting average got down to like two forty. So it was a lot. A long stretch of pretty bad play. It didn't feel Brett Gardner-ish, but the the fact is that he's he's definitely <laughs> playing better. And you saw last year what happened with him, where he was, you know, the, had the highest batting average in the National League in the second half of the year. And this is a guy who who definitely can't hit. And I think the other thing that's going to help him is that you know when the when the roster around him, when the lineup around him is a little bit better, I think he's you're going to see him having better at bats as well. You know, I, I said think this. I brought this up three it, weeks ago. I don't remember it. It's difficult. It's diff- I'm gonna. So I'm gonna. It's this is my opinion. I don't remember what you said. <laughs> I asked the question that does he have mental lapses because he's. Oh no no see no no. Team. I don't agree with that. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that having better hitters around him will make him a better hitter as well because he oh. won't have to. Huh? Okay. I said, oh okay. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, you broke up for a second there. The, no, but the the fact of the matter is, is that I think having better hitters around him will will definitely help him. Um, you have better at bats. I think that's that's he's he's also been pressing a little bit more this year because he's had to do more too because his lineup has been so god awful. And I think if you have better surrounding pieces, then you're going to get a better Starling Castro. 
as far as what the fu- the near term future 2017 and 18 holds for Starling Castro, I really want to see. Con- it seems like him and Didi Gregorius have a nice relationship. Yeah, I want to. S- What's up? They're best friends. Yeah, they're best friends. I want to see them be leaders for the young guys coming in because they're still relatively young, but they're vets as far as major league players go. They need to step up and be the the next veteran leadership on this Yankees team. Yeah. I like it. I think Didi. I think Didi is starting to take that role. I think Didi is going to be one of the bigger leaders next year. Going into next year, you're going to see a lot more of Didi being vocal, and I think he's ready for it. I feel like he's. I feel like Didi is really having fun with this role now. I think you know the beginning of it where there were there was apprehension because of all the obvious reasons, and now I think Didi is really really falling into this role of being the Yankee shortstop, being the leader, being the vet guy with all these young kids around him. He's so good with the media. He's so good with the fans. He's just. You know, he's a great guy to have on the team, and I think you're really going to start seeing him blossom even more. I, I'm I'm very excited about Didi Gregorius, and I think Starling Castro, if he if he I cleans up his act a little bit in the in the in the offensive side, I totally agree with you with with swinging at better pitches and just pitch selection, uh, and just kind of latches on with Didi and goes for a ride. I think the two of them could be very good. Yeah, Didi is definitely one of the players that if you watch him every day, he's actually better than his stats show. Yeah, oh yeah, he's he's awesome. Yeah, I'm very happy with Didi. I've said this a million times, but he's my favorite everyday player on this team right now. All right, next question. Excuse me. Next question is from Owen Casey, and he says, with Severino's dominating performance, and he's talking about the time against the Mets when he came in relief of Chad Green, and Chad Green's not-so-good performance, do we think Severino takes his spot in the rotation? So obviously, just so you guys are all know, listening to this, we have mailbags coming in all week, right? So... You know, if we if we were to get rid of the ones that we already know the answers to, then we would it would not be as good. So that's also that just matter, to bring up the topic of Severino. Yeah, and well, and the fact of the matter is that Severino now we obviously know he's going to be pitching against Boston. He had a very good performance out of the bullpen against the Mets, right? Mets. Yeah, because Chad Green pitched absolutely, and it was terribly. Chad Green. Yeah, he came in relief. The right? Yankees' offense uh, was was I forget who they uh, hit in that game, but oh, Mats. The Yankees' offense hit Mats. Right. And and Chad Green was just going out there putting up stinkers, stinker innings. And how how many times do we have to watch Chad Green to realize he's he's a four A pitcher? Maybe his ceiling is the bullpen in the major leagues, but I do not think it is the starting rotation. I just don't know. I just it's so or it's too early to say. I I, I have not a very had a good start time. in the major leagues. He's got I know, but I just have a difficult time saying you know writing off a kid who who's only thrown a couple times in the major no, leagues. No, I I. I Okay, I'm not going to say he will never be a starting pitcher, but I look at his stuff and I look at him on the mound and I just see relief pitcher. I do not see starting pitcher. When you look at his stuff and you look at him as a as like a physical uh, pitcher and the way that the way that he's built and the way that he can throw in relief, how it's different to the way he throws in the rotation, he definitely has that. He definitely has more. His stuff is a lot more plus plus when you're in the in the bullpen. Yeah, he it can seems touch like he can handle it better too. Miles an hour. No, he's but... higher than that. He's in the high nineties. Okay, but yeah. that's fine for a seventh inning or or if he needs to come in in the fifth inning to get out of a, a spot or something like that. But I, I, I just would so much rather see Luis Severino be a starter for the rest of the season and totally let, let him continue to build on what he did in, in, the, um, in the minors after he got sent down because it looks like his, the depth on his slider is much improved. Yes. Um, and they said that it improved in the minor leagues. That was the big issue with him in April. His fastball was still fine. It was still in the mid-90s and had movement, but that's the only pitch he had. Right. His slider was- looks a little bit better. 
he had he had the Pineda Evaldi syndrome. The breaking ball was up in the zone. Yeah, and and he was he was he wasn't located. It wasn't it. even that it was just up in the zone. It was just spinners. There was just right. no depth to it. It was just basically eighty nine mile an hour spinners in the middle of the plate, which is the most hittable pitch in baseball. And I don't know if this was just adrenaline coming out because I guarantee he had a lot of that when he came out in in relief of Chad Green and pitched very well, but. He looked like he just was determined to to say, yeah. "Hey, you know, like this is that that is not who I was. This is who I am. I do have this dominant stuff. I am the guy that you thought I was, and I will be, uh, you know, one of the next great Yankee starters." It just he felt like he was. If, if when I was watching him, it felt like he was out there with something to prove. And he had emotion. He, had, he showed emotion. He yes, got fired oh, up he when he got out of that jam. Up. I was pumped up when I saw yeah. him get pumped up. I love that. Yeah. So he was. I I really enjoyed seeing him come back with that emotion and and just you know the the sheer determination to do well and even just listening to his post game with Meredith uh, talking afterwards it just seemed like yeah that was the deal like this this guy said you know I had to come back and prove it and and now he's going to get his opportunity in Boston which is going to be a, a, a definitely a, a, a tough test obviously and you know he definitely belongs in that starting rotation over Chad Green at this point hundred percent. I'm going touching back on that. I agree with you. I think I think long term, Chad Green does project. Just looking at him, this is my own personal scouting report that he does project better in the bullpen. But I just can't give up on a guy. This I need a bigger, uh, a larger sample size. Well, I just given the option between him and Severino in the rotation, it's just not a question. No, if, if, if it it's frustrating the two me, of them, yes. it was frustrating me that the Yankees gave him the start over Severino, but. Who knows? Maybe they were doing it to push Severino. But what what would have happened if he Chad Green went out there and had an average start? Would they have given them a, him another one? Probably. Yeah, maybe. It's like let's see what Severino has. He he still should project in your 2017 rotation. Well, and I think Chad Green's going to get an opportunity at that rotation. Give him as well. an opportunity in spring training of next year. I would. I, I I think it's more important this season at the major league level to give Severino that experience. I agree with that. Than anything, and then giving Chad Green an opportunity. I agree with that. All right, <clears throat> what do we got next? Next is an Instagram question from Steve Scratch, who is in AAA right now. Do you see being a starter next season? It's a good question. Starter. Let's just call who will be um, who will be on the major league roster next season, because starter is a little, you know. It's a little difficult to project. I don't. I don't think there is one to tell you the truth. As far as a starter, I don't think right. any of those guys are not to start the season at least. Maybe out. The only one I would give a chance to is Luis Sessa. Oh, I was thinking starting position too. So judge. Oh, is he saying starter? Oh, I'm thinking starting pitcher. Okay. No, I think he just means starter. Like starter in general. In the everyday. Got lineup. you. Got you. All right. I misread that. I was thinking starting pitching the whole time. Okay. I would say Aaron Judge has a chance. Oh, no doubt. I think he is going to be that guy. Um, this is a totally different question now to me. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Judge. Um, but, I, but I kind of I expanded it to say who will be on the roster. Got because it. Because they might be a backup player or in the bullpen or something like that. Yeah. Um, I think the guy that they also got in the Andrew Miller trade, Ben Heller, has, has definitely got his eye on the, rota- on the uh, bullpen. Bullpen. I think we're going to see him in the major leagues soon, actually. Yeah. I think he's going, to, he's going to be a guy to come up. Um and who else are we talking about? So Tyler Austin, first base. I think he Tyler and Bird. Austin, yep. He and Bird are very possibly going to be the two first basemen. And I like that he's a right-handed hitter. Yeah, they're perfect complements. Yeah, I still think Bird projects to be the better player. Well, and if you're if you're noticing what's happening this week in Scranton, and Aaron Judge has been playing left field, he's also going over to left field, and Tyler Austin is playing some third base. So, Ooh, love it. <laughs> Yeah, can Chase, I knew, that, I knew you were going to get excited about that. 
We got Teixeira out. We got Arod out. Chase Andrew, I, I got a question for you. I got a question for you. What? So, Andrew, if we were to trade a Chase Headley to the, uh, I don't know, Cleveland Indians or whoever the hell, it doesn't matter what team it is, but the Yankees are going to take 100% of the contract, are you making that trade? Okay, this is, yes, I am. <laughs> but here, here's here's the difference. Chase Headley has zero Headley. value to this team next year, but Brian McCann can actually provide value. I wasn't. I wasn't comparing the two. I'm just asking you a simple question about money. Yes, get, I will. I will pay a team. <laughs> uh, if Brian Cash was like, you know, we just really wanted Chase Headley out of here, so we paid him an extra ten million dollars to leave him back. Yeah, it's a good move. That's a bargain. <laughs> anyway, so Tyler Lawson has been taking some reps at third base, so that's an opportunity and and something that we could uh, we could see as well. So, what do you think about uh, two names, Jake Cave and Clint Frazier? What are their chances to make the roster at some point next year? I think Frazier would have to be after the All-Star break. I think he would be a guy that they'd have to see in, you know, a full uh, the rest of this year and then uh, like a full year combined. The rest of this year and then the beginning of next year in AAA to see how he's projected. He's still such a young guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to wait he's for him. He's 20 years they're, old. Yeah, they're going to unless he's just crushing it. And uh, the other thing about that we need, I need to do some research on him. Is he one of those guys where if he comes up we we don't we don't control him for a year? You know what I mean, like like they did with no. uh, Chris Bryant. Is that is no, that not well, a thing? Well, that's that's not wouldn't be unique to Clint Frazier. That's anybody. No, I know, but is that a, is that uh, is that going to be a deal with Clint Frazier for next year? Would that be would that come into play if he was lighting it up? Uh, no. We'd have to look at this. Neither one of us are. No, good at this. no, I I know what you're saying, and 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 no, it wouldn't because it's it all has to do with service time. So it's total accumulated service time. Okay, well that's what I'm. That's what I'm wondering. Does the service time go all the way through the minors? No, no, no. It's major league service time. From the day that a player that's, is yeah, called yeah. up, yes, it's that's when his major league service time starts, and that's when his arbitration will eventually kick in. But after my, a certain amount of time is accumulated. Okay, so I guess where I was where I was missed missed on that is I thought that some at, at some point AAA the playing time in AAA has to count towards something, doesn't it? No. Not at all. So if you're a, if you're a 32 year old guy coming up, and you've been a lifer in the minor leagues, yep. that still applies. Yep. Huh. All right. See, kids, you learn something every day. Every day you learn something new. <laughs> Where were we going with what we were talking about? We're talking about guys coming up. So no, I, I think he's going to be a guy that they're, they would bring up later. And I don't even know if he would come up in the September call-ups this, this year unless something drastically happened with the. Roster. I don't think so either. There's I think they're going to. There's going to be enough. Uh, there's going to be enough guys called up, and um, I mean, I would love it. Bring Red Thunder up to the majors too. I'd That'd love be that. awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. Uh, he looks like Frazier. Also, strikes me as a guy who is so thrilled to be traded to the Yankees. Yes. he just, I, I, I just big feel mark. like he's going to thrive under the big bright lights of Yankee Stadium. I agree. He looks like he loves it. And from when I was talking to his general manager in Double A. Everything that they were saying about this kid is that he loves baseball, loves baseball, and works his ass off and wants to be a great player. And this this kid's just all baseball, all day, all the time, nothing else, except for Jen Selter, apparently. <clears throat> all right, this uh, final question comes from Scott in Ottawa, and he says, Thanks for putting out more podcasts recently during the trade deadline. You guys have made my workday in the sun a lot more enjoyable. All the credit there goes to Scott for doing those um, as I said in the start of the show. And he says, I have two non-baseball questions for you guys. Which summer Olympic sport is your favorite to watch? And which event do you guys think you would do best in if you had to compete? And I like this question because not only the Olympics started this weekend, but 
it's a little um, insight into our own um, non-Yankees watching lives. All right, so who's going first? Because well, no, to, first, to be, to be very clear, hold on. To be very clear <laughs> to everybody listening, Andrew and I, we go through our notes before we talk, just to just to kind of just overview some things. And we were both looking at this question, and I was like, I have an answer, and he had an answer, and he wanted me to tell him his answer, and I didn't do it because I don't want I don't want our answers to change. He thinks I think he thinks that we're gonna have, we're gonna pick the same thing. So, all right, let's go. Well, no, no. First, we got to do what event you like is your favorite to watch in the Summer Olympics. Um, okay, so the I, I I don't know why I like it, but I like I do like watching the swimming, the final heats. I hate I hate yeah. everything leading up to it because it means nothing to me. But I think the the final heat, the sprint stuff, is exciting. Um, and I think that the goes swimming, the, the swimming sprints. Yeah, I like the swimming stuff, and I like and, and I think it also do a star power, right? Like Michael Phelps is a star. That's true. And yeah. um, Usain Bolt is he even in the Olympics still? I think he is. No, he's running this I mean, year. Yeah, he's he's a star, so I'll watch that as well. I'm definitely more of a Winter Olympics guy. Yeah, I, I well, I'll tell you what I don't care about. I don't care about the basketball at all. Me neither. I don't I don't care about the tennis because I feel like we see the same people play every time anyway. Yep. And well, it golf doesn't is matter. golf is back. Golf's a little interesting just because it's but new. The I guess players. See, the thing about Rio this year is so many big name athletes. Didn't go because it was a shitstorm, which is understandable. But yeah, I, I think a lot of that was an excuse, personally. But I mean, there's still guys like like Bubba Watson still going. There's still big name guys that are going. But you know, I, I don't know. The golf will be interesting to to an extent, only because I think it's new. I think I'll, I'll watch a little bit of it, and I just enjoy watching golf. But the other the other one uh, that that I don't care about is. Um, I don't remember what the, f- I don't know the the fact that the the ones that I do care about are the sprints. I don't remember what the other gymnastics. No, I kind of like the I kind of oh, like. Did you see that French gymnastics guy who snapped yes. his leg? Oh, that was brutal. My wife showed it to me. I can't it, look at that crap. I feel bad. bad for that. I feel bad for Why, that. Guy. Can like, someone support the leg, please? Everybody's just staring at this kid with his you train dangling. Dude trains and, his whole life, gets the Olympics, and shatters his leg in an instant, and his Olympics he's are just, over. But he's holding it for like a minute. Like oh. nobody's coming out there to help this guy. Like, can we put something under his leg so it's not dangling by a <laughs> ligament? It's That's it's so horrible. brutal. It's uh, that really dude, bad. The, like that dude's never doing gymnastics again. Oh my god, it's awful. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think the gymnastics and the Olympics, these guys are the guys and girls are at such a high level and they do things so fast. It's interesting to me. And because it's the Olympics, I actually like watching a lot of these sports actually. It's uh, just it's so funny because everyone gets into the Olympic sports for the two weeks they're on and they don't forget about these sports. Yeah, yeah. Well that's how curling was a thing for a minute. But okay, and curling was never a thing. The Olympics, it was interesting. Anyway. No, never. Are we it's getting sh- into- shuffleboard on ice? Yeah. Okay. Who's going first at what event you could compete in? We could compete. Okay. Do you, that I want to compete in, or my favorite? Sport? The question is: Which event do you guys think you would best you would do best at if you had to compete in okay. the Summer Olympics? All right, all right. It's the same answer. So, do you want me to go first? I want to go first. Okay. All right. Yep. Handball. Okay, that's not mine. But okay. you think you could do handball? I so uh, there's a backstory to this. The the I think I was two summer Olympics ago. <laughs> I was just at a college, was that eight years ago? I was I was I don't know in my twenties, and I was I was watching this. And it was the first time I had seen it. Maybe it was three Olympics ago. It was the first time I had seen it, and I'm like, man, this looks like a lot of fun. This is like soccer and basketball combined. It, I think I could do this. Like I'm pretty. I can throw. I can run. This is I can overconfident Scott coming out oh, yeah, again. This, thinks oh, he yeah. can beat. Uh, Major League Baseball players in races thinks he can be an Olympic handballer. 
first of all, I could definitely be Alex Rodriguez in a race. I don't know how you dispute that anymore. <laughs> he's had a lot of rest recently. His legs are ready to go. The amount of times he springs up, I take three steps forward. When he goes up, I take three steps forward. <laughs> anyway, so so this I actually got to a point where I saw this. I'm like, I've never even heard of this sport before. What is this? I went to the website, looked it up, looked up local chapters, and I even called, and they're like, they didn't have one, so I was about to start one. It was getting to that point. It was pretty ridiculous. And then I looked up. Like, you had never hell? played handball? We played that in high school gym. I did play it in like elementary school, but we played it a little differently than they played, I think. We played anyway. it. It's basically water polo on a court. Yeah, there's a million ways you could say it. It's, it's soccer and basketball combined. And like, that's the way it looks, right? It is water polo without it's water. It's water polo without water. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a lot of fun. It and, is fun. And I feel like, you know, with my baseball background, with the the fact that I, I, I have, I'm pretty accurate um, and I'm pretty quick and fast, or at least I used to be, and I'm still pretty fast, straight line. used to be. I think that I would that would be the one sport that I think I would actually have a relative chance if I actually trained for it. Okay, that's and not a bad obs- answer. It's, it's almost it's, obscure enough. Yeah, that that's not a bad answer. It's like playing baseball in the 1920s. Because you're not gonna, you're never gonna be an Olympic sprinter or a no, high diver never. or anything. Or never. So do you know what Olympic sport that I could definitely compete in the next Olympics if I tried? What Race walking. That's a sport. Yes, you've never seen speed walking. No. Yes. They, they, you can't have, you have to have one foot on the ground at all times. You have to have your legs a certain width apart. They can't get any wider. It's hilarious to watch these guys. Their hips are wiggling around. It has to be narrow. Yeah. Like it, it'd be too wide. Yeah. Wouldn't that slow you down if you were too wide? Um, no, I guess. I don't know what that is, but every one of them has narrow. And it's like their hips wiggle. It's hilarious to watch. You can't have uh, both feet off the ground at the same time. And I'm it's like of, it's I'm like thinking of my mother and her friends when they were like forty years old walking exactly, around the neighborhood. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, and it it's like a, it's like um, twenty miles. These things. It's it's like these marathon races. You couldn't walk twenty oh miles God. like that. I will show you on Saturday. I am a very very good speed walker. It, it's going to shock you. I would say that I would I would ask you to walk around Yankee Stadium, but you would get stopped. So here's the thing: what we're gonna do is you're gonna take a video of it, and we'll tweet it out from Yankees podcast. Okay. If we remember to do it, right after Yankees. our breakfast beers for 20 years. Yeah, very much up in the air for them. <laughs> um, all right, I think that's all we got for this week. It's a long podcast. I'm looking at the the time right now. We're at an hour and 40 minutes. About. Oh my so, God. Um, can you and cousin can you and cousin Brewski race with the the fast walking? Yeah, well, his cousin does. Cousin Brewski have? Do you know something I don't know? Is he like a ringer for for speed walking? Uh, well, considering I just learned about this sport, maybe he is, and I'm just maybe I'm just maybe I'm trolling you. Maybe I'm gonna you're gonna you're gonna see after we're off this podcast. Look up a video of these guys. Some guy in the last Olympics shit himself. It was hilarious. <laughs> what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> All right, I think we are officially finished on this episode. Um, it was a lot. It was a busy week. Uh, next week, Scott and I will potentially be recording in person. We don't know. We're trying to figure out the logistics, but we're going to both be in New York for the 96 celebration. So definitely looking forward to that. Remember, we're going to be at the dugout before the game. 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock before the game. So hit us up on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes at Yankees Podcast. And we will give out all that information on the website as well. So keep an eye out for that. All right. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. 
Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.